morning we are very privileged to have uh, Pastor Ray Bevanier, and he, he, he was the pastor of, of King's Church in Newport, Wales, um, an incredible church in Wales. I mean, if you, if you follow church in, in Europe, church wasn't that big of a thing, and he had a mega church in Wales. Uh, they did incredible work there, leading thousands of people to Christ and, and making sure that hell gets smaller and heaven gets larger. And we're thankful for King's Church in Newport, Wales, and we're thankful for Pastor Ray. And uh, Pastor Ray, it's an absolute honor to have you here with us. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you for connecting with me in Port Elizabeth. And uh, thank you for just taking my number and starting texting. I'm so honored and privileged to have you on our pulpit this morning. We honor you as a pastor. We honor you for the work you've done in Europe. You've set a platform for new church leaders to go higher, to go further, and to reach more people for Christ. And we honor you for that this morning. And thank you for being with us. We honor you as a church. We give God the glory, but we honor you as a leader. And I thank you and thank you that I and my team, me and my team as, as young leaders can learn from you. And thank you for investing in us uh, also into the coming future. Uh, we are so blessed to have you this morning with us. Uh, if you, uh, let's just give him a big, big round of applause. Thank you, Pastor Ray. If you are um, comfortable, that's the word. Will you stretch out your arm just this morning? Lord, thank you for Pastor Ray, and thank you for his ministry. Thank you uh, for what he has done for the church of Christ. And uh, we just want to honor you, Lord, for, for Pastor Ray this morning. Come bless him this morning. And uh, as he blesses us with the word and, and, and with his talents this morning, uh, come and bless him also. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. I said together we stand, divided we fall. Come on, church, to get on the ball, let's stand together. Together we stand there Boy, girl, woman, and man If you're happy, say yeah Make someone happy uh, Make someone smile Let's work together Make life worthwhile Let's sit together Together <laughs> Together we stand there Boy, girl, woman, and man Make someone smile. Let's work together, make a life for the world. Together. You see, come on, so together. You see, together we stand there. Boy, girl, woman, and man. Come on, somebody say, yeah. 
are crazy. Why does all the good-looking people live in South Africa? I don't know. But it's great to be here. It's great to be with Zelvin and Mika. I've got the pastor's wife name right. Normally I go and I get it all wrong. That's why normally I say it's lovely to be here to see the pastor and his lovely wife. So I get it all right all the time. Uh, my name is Ray Bevan. Uh, I was a rock singer in the 60s. I still am a rock singer. I just changed partners. That's all I did. In the 60s, women used to scream my name. That was a joke. <laughs> they still scream my name, but for the wrong reasons now. But my name is Ray. I'm 35 years of age. And then, no, no, listen, let me explain. Um, about five years ago, I'm sitting... Uh, in the back garden with my granddaughter. She was five then. And uh, we were just sitting in the back garden discussing the problems in the Middle East. And I was getting some very interesting stuff going on. And she said, Bumper, she looks at me, she says, Bumper, how old are you, Bumper? And this was five years ago. I said, I'm 65, Eva. And she looks at me and she starts crying. And I'm trying to calm her down. I said, Eva, why are you crying? She says, Bamba, I don't want you to die, Bamba. I thought, is this kid prophesying or something here now? I said, I'm not going to die, Eva. But Bamba, you'll be 100 soon. <laughs> and everybody dies when they're 100. And then all of a sudden, this look of wonder came over her face. You know, like... Like when Elliot saw E.T. for the first time. This look of, of wonder. I said, Eva, what's, why did you stop crying? She says, Bampa, I know what to do. I said, what's that? She said, I'm going to make you 30. I said, okay. How are you going to do that? She says, Bampa, you stupid Tinkerbell. I should have known. I said, how is Tinkerbell going to make me 30? She says, Bampa, last night the tooth fairy came and left some money under my pillow and also 
She left some magic fairy dust that Tinkerbell gave her, and I'm going to throw it over you. It's going to make you 30. I said, how much of the dust do you have? You're going to need quite a bit of this dust, I said. So she, I said, I'm ready. So I went with it, right? I went with it. She threw this dust over me, and I went, Eva, what's happening? Uh, I'm losing my, my breath. It's like electricity going. She says, Bampa, don't fight it, Bampa. Don't fight it. And then, and then, and then I, I came. I said, wow. I said, what's just happened? She says, Bampa, you are now 30. So, ladies and gentlemen, Ray Bevan, 35 years of age, thank you very much. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The following year, she sent me a birthday card. Happy 31st birthday. It's brilliant. But then I'm driving her to school a few months ago, and she's staring at me. You know when a kid stares at you? A bit weird. She's staring at me. She says, Bumper, I think it's wearing off. Hey, 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 oh man, kids. But you know what, that moment, do you know when we get moments where, you know, we, you, can, you can study, you know, the left armpit of the Antichrist and how it relates to this new generation. We can go into the depths of Leviticus and wonderful, but then God just speaks to you so powerfully through a child. And right there in that afternoon, when she walked away from me, the Holy Spirit said, why can't you be like this with me? I said, what, throw fairy dust? No. How? He said, he said, Ray, unless you become like a little child, you are never going to understand the wonder of my grace. And he said, see, you see, your granddaughter, she lives in a world where magic mirrors speak. She lives in a world of wonder. She believes it. She lives in a world where wooden boys become real boys. I, could, I tried to convince her once that I was the wood, I was Pinocchio. <laughs> no, she believed me like for five minutes. I told her the story of Pinocchio and she says, and I said, you know what, Eva, let me tell you something. I was that boy. Never. I said, yes, yeah, I hate going to school. I used to go to school, and this woodpecker kept following me, tapping my head for four miles. It was awful. Oh. So anyway, that's just by the way. But she, but she, she said, but the Holy Ghost said, she lives in this world uh, of wonder. And, and, and he said, Ray, why can't, uh, why can't you be like this with me? And this is what the Holy Ghost spoke to me very simply and very directly. He said, it's my desire to restore the wonder of grace back to my church. It's my desire to, to restore the wonder of, this, of salvation and the wonder of what I brought you into. He said, I brought you into... Now he said, <clears throat> we know that what your granddaughter believes is fantasy and it's fairy tale. And he said, why do you treat this world of wonder I brought you in like fantasy and fairy tale? He said, Ray, I'm restoring, I'm restoring the wonder of my grace back to the church. You know why? Because I believe that religion has robbed the church of God of the wonder of grace. 
And when I speak about religion, I'm not talking about um, some organization. I'm talking about a principle. And the principle of religion is this. Anything we try to do to make ourselves right with God, or anything we try to do to maintain a relationship with God. That's religion in its end of God, of its... And sadly, religion has robbed the grace of God of its wonder. You see, religion is man respecting God. Grace is man receiving God. Uh, there are two elements in religion to make it work. This is why religion works. There are two elements for it to thrive. One is an angry deity. Two, a guilty conscience. So for years, Christians have lived with this concept of an angry God trying to please an angry God. We fail miserably. We get a guilty conscience. So we try to get ourselves right to get back in favor with an angry God. And on the treadmill of religion we go. And religion robs us of the abundant life and joy that we should be experiencing. Somebody say amen in this place right here. And, and for the rest of my life, God spoke to me very clearly. He said, Ray, I'm and I uh, loved it in Wales. And uh, five years ago, the Lord said, it's time now to hand the church over to the next generation. So I handed it over to a young man I've been training for 20 years. Church is going great. And this is what the Lord said to me. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm 65. I, I'm not going to sit in the back garden to grow flowers now. This, this, this fire is burning in my belly here. He says, no. He said, oh, everything in your life up to now, I've, I've prepared you for the next season of your life. He said, I'm going to send you out into my church as an abolitionist. I had to check in the dictionary what that meant. And then I discovered that an abolitionist is someone who delivers somebody else from slavery. He said to me, he said, the biggest form of slavery on planet earth today is in my church. He said, my people are worshiping me in chains. And he showed me 400 years, uh, the, the Hebrews were worshiping Yahweh in chains. God sent an abolitionist in the form of Moses and said, let my people go. And the Lord said, wait for the rest of your life. I'm going to send you to, to my church with the message of the gospel of the grace of God. And, you, and, and through the message of the grace of God, I'm going to restore the wonder. And he said, you're going to see the chains fall off my people. Chains of fear, chains of guilt, chains of depression. Because this is all the stuff that religion produces. For too long, the church has been a place where a guilty preacher is telling a guilty congregation how to feel more guilty. 
Come on, somebody say amen. And I know I'm, to, I'm, you know, I'm teaching ducks to quack here, but I know, you know what I'm saying. Many of us has, have been raised in that environment. That's why you're in this house, because God is doing something brand new in the church. Come on, somebody say amen. And I know, I know some, of you, some of you may be not able to put a word to it, but as I'm preaching, your spirit is doing the river dance. Come on, somebody. Yeah, see, see, religion has messed our heads up for so long. We say, oh, you go to church to feel guilty. Oh, that was a great message. Why? I feel really bad. No, give me a break. Come on, man. Jesus wants us to enjoy abundant life in his name. And that's, that's why God is raising up. That's why God is raising up churches like this. That's why God put this uh, vision on the heart of your pastor. That there are new churches springing up all over the world, you know, because Christians are fed up of being beat up. Christians are fed up of going home from church on Sunday morning feeling like a worm. I want to tell you, man, the greatest life we can ever live is a life served loving Jesus and letting Jesus love us. Come on, somebody say amen here. So, 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 see, watch this. This is, um, I hadn't meant to preach this message this morning. I, I gave the scriptures uh, to the young lady and I'm ready to preach a certain message. I'm sitting on the front row and the Lord says, no, no, no. I want you to, I want you to go in a different direction. And by the way I feel a connection, I think I'm heading in the right direction. Come on, somebody say amen. I feel it. I feel it. You see, you see, for two, there are so there is a big cry out um, in the church, especially from legalistic Christians, to bring back the Ten Commandments. We need to start preaching the Ten Commandments, believing that's the way that, that's the way the church grows and the church gets holy. Nowhere in the New Covenant, nowhere in the epistles, nowhere in the New Testament are we exhorted. Are we, are we exhorted to grow in law? Nowhere. But what we are exhorted to do is to grow in the grace of God. Come on, somebody say amen. You cannot grow. Watch this. Romans chapter 8 verse 3 says, Paul says, For what the law could not do. For what the law could not do. For what the Ten Commandments could not do. Watch this, in that it was weak through the flesh. In other words, the Jews tried for 1,500 years to meet the requirements of the law, and they failed. Because the requirements of the law, the law was, was a declaration, uh, was a, not to make you holy, but to declare the standard of holiness which we couldn't reach. Watch this, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did it. So what we couldn't do, God did by sending his son. Come on, somebody say amen here. See, the law is like a mirror. It can show you how dirty you are, but it can't make you clean. And the Ten Commandments are like a mirror. It's designed to show you how imperfect you are. But the mirror can't make you clean. Do you know what the mirror does? Directs you to the soap. 
And the purpose of the law is not to make you holy, it's to declare to you un uh, how unholy you are, but then show you the soap, the grace of the Lord Jesus, the finished work, we apply it. Somebody say amen right here. See, grace doesn't wait for dying thieves to earn acceptance before promising paradise. Grace doesn't wait for, I'm sorry, before declaring, Father, forgive me. For those who betray him, he just washes their feet. Grace doesn't, is not phased by a flawed, failed past to perfect your destiny. It just uses it as material and works it for our good. What, I, what I'm trying to say is this. Religion condemns. The Ten Commandments condemn. It's a ministry of death. It's a ministry of condemnation. That's what it was designed to do. I respect the law. I respect the Ten Commandments. But respect it for the reason it was given. Come on, somebody say amen here. Now stay with me because this gets really good. The re religion condemns, but grace forgives. Johnny and Susie were brother and sister, and uh, they went to their grandmother's farm every year for a holiday from 10 feet. Pretty good with a slingshot, but he was useless. He couldn't hit a barn door from 10 feet. So they went to their grandmother's farm. And Johnny spotted the grandmother's pet duck. And he thought, okay, I wonder if I can hit that thing, right? So he took aim, and a miracle happened. He hit the flipping duck, killed it. That's Welsh for killed. That killed the duck. So he panics, and he buries the duck in the garden only to look up to see that his sister was watching him because that's what sisters are created to do. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, he, so he buries the duck. So that night they have dinner. And after dinner, the grandmother says, Susie, would you please help me uh, to wash up the dishes? She said, certainly. But you know what, grandmother? Johnny said he would love to do the dishes tonight. In, in fact, Johnny said he'd love to do the dishes every night we are here. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered in his ear, remember the duck. <laughs> so Johnny was at the sink every night for about four or five nights that he got fed up. And he says, I'm going to confess to my grandmother. I've had enough of this. Uh, I don't want to see another dish for the rest of my life. I'm going to confess. So he went to his grandmother. He says, Grandmother, I got a confession. What's that, Johnny? Well, you know your pet duck that you haven't seen roaming around here? Yes. Well, to be honest with you, I saw the duck. I, I shot it with my slingshot, and I killed it. And I, I buried it. I buried it in the garden, and I'm so sorry. And she said, Johnny, she said, I, I know. I was watching you from the window. She said, but the thing is, I've already forgiven you. I was wondering how long you were going to allow Susie to make a slave out of you. 
Come on, somebody. Come on now, listen. And this is how many of us have lived for a large part of our Christian lives when Satan comes, when you want to move out in a new area with God, when you want to enjoy the life of God, Satan comes up and whispers, but he lived enslaved under the duck. You see, Johnny was forgiven, but he lived enslaved to guilt. And how many Christians have been forgiven by the finished work of Jesus, past present and future sin was covered by the blood of Jesus 2,000 years ago. We've already been forgiven, but we are still enslaved to guilt as Satan whispers in our ear on a daily basis, remember the duck. Remember that sin as a Christian. Remember that failure. Remember what you said. Remember where you went. Remember that abortion. Remember that divorce. Remember that attempted suicide. Come on, somebody say amen. We've got an accuser that accuses us day and night. Remember the duck. Remember the duck. Even when it comes to the beautifulness of the Lord's table, through religion, Satan has distorted the whole concept. I remember when I was a young Christian, I, I got saved out of the rock band. Zelvin, you have to tell me when I got, well, they'll come up and play and I'll know when I, that's the sign. Sometimes that happens, I think, and music starts, I think angels have filled the place, you know what I'm saying? Is this helping anybody this morning here? Stay with me, man, because I'm telling you, I know this is, I know this is what God's called me to do. Because I've been there. I lived like that. I got saved out of a rock band. I did know nothing. I'm going to share, maybe share a bit of my testimony tonight. There's nothing on the TV, so you may as well come back. So anyway, so I, 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 and then I went to a Pentecostal church in Wales. That's where they, they actually have a factory in Wales that produces Pharisees. They send them out across the world. It Wales is the place they make them. And I went to this church full of Pharisees. I mean, bless them. That's all they knew. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't. So I'm a new Christian. So, so I said, okay, I thought this is the way it is. And... and uh, and then when it came to the Lord's table, oh, the hush came over. And you're laughing because you've been there yourself. <laughs> the Lord's table. And, and there was, there was, there was a, there was a, an elder, he'd been there. He helped Noah build the ark, this guy. <laughs> Emrys, Emrys. Oh, he was a holy man. And, he, and whenever he stood to pray, the hush. Almighty Heavenly Father! <laughs> and then one morning, the emblems went around and Emrys, Emrys, this holy man, he let the emblems pass by. Because that morning, he didn't feel worthy to partake. And people looked at him and thought, my God, 
this respect. No, the guy was deceived. The guy was ignorant of what this meant. I don't know, perhaps he'd watched something on TV in the week. And he thought, ooh, I'm contaminated. I've got to let the emblems pass me by. Because if I eat judgment to myself, God will kill me. Come on, somebody, say amen here. Because many of us have lived like that. And I thought, ooh. And so if I had done something wrong in the week, you know, like, like got frustrated with a dog, put him down the toilet, pulled a chain. I thought, Christians don't do that. So I felt condemned. So that morning, I wouldn't partake. Do you know what? Religion has distorted the whole concept of what the Lord's Supper is about. And when God revealed to me the revelation over the years of the grace of God. You see, listen to me carefully. The Lord's table is not a place where you remember the duck. Come on, somebody say amen here. How can you make yourself worthy to partake? Tell me. Please tell me. If someone can come and tell me, have you got to repent for three hours with crying and snot, everything? Does, you know what I mean? Does the snot make it more sort of intense? Sorry, but I'm, you know, forget. let's get real here this morning. You have to repent. How do I know I've repented enough? When I know I've repented enough, you better repent again because of your pride. I'm worthy now. Really? Oh, God. You know what I'm saying? No, listen. Listen. Jesus said, when you, when you come to the table of the Lord, it's not about you remembering the duck. He said, remember me. Every time you do this, you remember me. Remember how I died for you. Remember how you are forgiven. Remember that my blood covers you in spite of your behavior. I know, and that takes, you know what? When the angel of death passed through the streets of Egypt, he was given one command. And the command was this. When you see the blood on the doorposts, whoever is in the house, you pass over judgment. Imagine the angel of death coming down and he sees the blood on the doorpost and, and he says, no, 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 this is too easy. I mean, this is too easy. I'm going to go inside and check who's in here. I'm going to go inside and check the behavior. I'm going to go inside to check if they've been good people. No, God says, when you see the blood, it tells you the people inside it's not about the sacrifice they've made. It's about the sacrifice they've trusted. Christianity is not about the sacrifice we make. It's about the sacrifice we trust. And I would rather trust his love and forgiveness than my inconsistency. Somebody better say amen in this place right here. Now give the Lord a clap that's worthy of his name. Somebody say amen here. No, man. No, it's, it's not about that. It's like, you see, it, it's like this. It, it, imagine, imagine it's the ice skating final in the Olympics. And the last guy is ready to skate out onto the ice. He's perfected his performance for four years. He's doing great. He's excited, can't wait. Music starts, his name is called, 
Out he goes onto the ice and he starts skating. It's going great, just like he practiced. Then halfway through, his double lutz looked like a starfish on speed. And he comes down and he catches the inside of his foot and he sprawls out onto the ice and he picks himself up and he's thinking, what's happened? This did, I didn't plan this. I didn't rehearse this. What's got? And he carried on skating. Then his triple salco looked like an octopus doing something. And it was, it was all going wrong. And then this last jump comes down onto the ice. He falls on the floor. His heart is devastated. He's thinking, four years wasted. And he sat there waiting for the judges. The Russian judge, zero. The English judge, zero. <laughs> the Afrikaans judge, what's zero in Afrikaans? No. Is that okay? No. No, no. That's Afrikaans. <laughs> I love it. Come on. You little tinkers. No. Yeah, we heard you the first time. Do you know what I'm saying? The Taiwanese judge, what are you want? <laughs> and then the constipated judge got up. <laughs> then, 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 just in case there's any religious people left in here. And then, a very good-looking, compassionate Welsh judge. <laughs> stood up, shut up, stood up, listened, <laughs> stood up. And he looked at this guy who had done his best but messed up. Nine out of ten. The other judges looked, are you, are you on drugs, mate? Hello? What, how could you give a score for a performance like that? And the Welsh judge looks at the guy and says, well, it's awful slippery out there, isn't it? Here she comes. <laughs> oh, Danny boy. <laughs> hey, listen. Don't you think God sees you trying your best to build your marriage? Don't you think he knows it's awful slippery out there as you're trying to build your marriage? Don't you know it's awful slippery out there as you're trying to build your business? Don't you know it's awful slippery out there as you're just trying to be a Christian? And the great thing about grace, you see, the great, see, that's, that's, that, the great thing about grace, not only, watch this, see, do you know what grace does? Grace gives you a score you don't deserve. Get this. Amen, man. Gives you a score. Get this. You won't beat yourself up so much for trying to perform, trying to keep the Ten Commandments, my God. You'll have a nervous breakdown, I'm telling you. But you know, not only is grace gives you a score you don't deserve, but he's an expert skater. He gets up from his judge's bench, comes out to where you are, beating yourself up. Why well, I should have... He says, come on. He picks you up, dusts you down. So now put your arm in here. Now let's do this together, okay? 
So you start to skate together with grace. And then you, be, you, you make the same mistake again. And you get, see, that's where you went wrong. Ah, come on. Now, let's do it this way. And I'm telling you, it's the, it was grace that brought me safe thus far. And it is grace that will help me skate all the way home. Come on, somebody say amen. Man. And that's what we have to learn. That's how we have to live. Man, I, 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 I just finished with this. I, um, how long have I got? Five minutes? I got ten minutes. Whew, that's, I can do a lot in ten minutes. Is this helping anybody this morning? You know, really, I was going to speak on, I was going to speak on seven steps to a successful circumcision. Because Elvin said to me, I want to see who's committed to this church. I said, I said, Zelvin, that's a bit over the top, mate. You know what I mean? So that's what, aren't you glad I changed my message? <laughs> so, so what's this one? See, not, see, See, grace gives you a score you don't deserve. See, religion condemns, grace forgives. Religion says, this is what you must do for me. Grace says, what do you want me to do for you? So here's grace standing in front of Bartimaeus, the blind man, a beggar, a beggar. And, 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 and Jesus stops. And he starts talking to this blind beggar. And, and he says, hey, Bart, what do you want me to do for you? And I can imagine the religious people around Jesus. Jesus, don't you know who he is? You, you just can't say that. He, he doesn't go to church. He doesn't tithe. He, he's, a, he's a taker. And Grace says, shut up. I'm talking. Hey, Bart, what do you want me to do for you? No conditions. I'm preaching this in our church, right? And in the middle of my preaching, a woman gets up at the back. And she steps out into the aisle. And she starts walking down the aisle like this. And I'm preaching. I'm, she walks down the aisle right to the front. I thought she was going to get saved. She came, then she started walking along the front of the stage. And I'm preaching like this. She gets on the steps, up on the stage. I'm thinking, where's security? She could, be, she could be a terrorist or something. And, and, and I'm preaching, and she walks across the stage like this. And I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, standing right here. It's a bit disconcerting, really. So I said, uh, hello. She says, oh, hello. Oh, I'm Ray. I'm trying to preach here. I am the preacher. I said, John, excuse me asking, what are you doing up here? She says, well, and the congregation are like this now. So she said, she said uh, it's only the second time for me to come to church. I said, yeah, I gathered that, yeah. <laughs> and she said, um, uh, um, so we've got a feeding program from our church. We feed 200,000 people a year in Wales, the biggest feeding program in Wales. And, and it's called Jesus Cares. And she said, well, well, I tell you what, Ray, my friend has been giving me these food parcels 
called Jesus Cares. And I said to my friend, who's giving me these food parcels? And my friend said to me, the King's Church. She said, Jesus lives there. And she said, I've never been to church. It was only the second time in church all my life. So she thought, I had to come to Jesus' house to say thank you to him. This is somebody you've never been. I said, that's great, John. But you, don't, you didn't need to come up here. You could have told me after I finished preaching. No. Then I heard you talking about Jesus talking to this man who had done nothing. And, and then he said, what do you want me to do for you with no conditions? Because I, I, I don't deserve nothing. So I said to Jesus, because I haven't been able to walk for three years without my walker. So I said, Jesus, you've already given me a food parcel. Could you heal my legs then? And she said, I felt this warmth go through my body. So I thought, that's why I stood out in the aisle, to see if I could stand without my walker. And she said, I could. So I looked, I thought, wonder if I can walk down that aisle there. So I started walking down the aisle. And then I saw them steps by the stage. I thought, wonder if I can walk up these steps here now. So I got up the steps, I came, and then you were here, couldn't go any further. So I stopped here. And our congregation was like, what? God was demonstrating to the whole church exactly what the grace of God is. And then, it, and it got better. It got better. I said, that's amazing, Joan. But you know what? God wants to do something else for you. Never. Yeah. He doesn't actually live in this building, Joan. He lives in the hearts of the people who come here. Do you want Jesus to go home with you? Never. Yeah. Yes, please. Write there a letter to the Lord on the stage. Just give a life to Jesus. And no, no, she said to me. I said, how do you feel? Oh, this is fantastic. She said, can I speak to the people? I said, no, I'll give her the mic. I'm thinking, Lord, I hope she doesn't cuss or anything because she doesn't know how to behave in the house of the Lord. Anyway, so I give her the mic and she said, hey, everybody, my name is Joan. I, I, I don't know anybody here. I've never been to church in my life. I've been a real bad person. I'm like this man in the story. And she said, Jesus gave me a food parcel, healed my legs. Now he's coming home with me. She said, why don't all of you do the same? <laughs> Come on. It was the greatest evangelistic message I've ever heard. What about you? What about you? Has religion beaten you up? And your Christian life, like mine, was one of trying to perform, failing, guilty, trying to perform, failing, guilty, until I realized that grace gives me a score that I don't deserve. Every head bowed, every eye shut right now. Father, thank you for this word today. Thank you for the pianist playing really nice here. Thank you for this beautiful church. Thank you for your beautiful people here it was that simple some of you may be like Joan I don't know some of you okay you may be coming to church all your life but you've never re you don't really know this wonderful person if you are here and you say Ray I want Jesus to go home with me 
If that's you, you pray a prayer like this in your heart. Jesus, I thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you. Come home with me. That's it. If you are here and you want to pray a prayer like that, I'm going to count to three. And then I just want you to raise your right hand, put it down again. I'll see it and I'll pray. Here we go. If, you, if that's you, you want Jesus to go home with you, you've never received him into your heart. When I count to three, put your hand up and I'll see it. One, two, three. Bless you. Bless you. See hands here. Yes, yes, I see them. It's fine. Yes, I see your hand. Father, for the, all these people that raise their hands, I pray, bless them. I pray they will go home with a lightness in their heart and their spirit that they've never experienced in their life before. And everybody said, amen.